career sucks. Sex just isn't the same. What's my purpose? Where did this fat come from? Divorce is killing me. I'll never be happy. My debt is piling up. Kids are gone. Now what? I'll never find love. Why can't I be like the other guys? Hey guys, gay, straight, and everything in between. It's time to get a grip. Stop whining, make a bold move, and do something amazing with your 40 plus life. Let's get to the show with your Tell It Like It Is host, Rick Clemens, who does his best to never act like a dick, unless you act like one first. Hey, 40 plus guys, we are back with another episode of 40 plus Real Man Real Talk, and I am totally freaking depressed. Okay, well, maybe that's a little bit of an overstatement today because I'm actually really happy, but at any given moment, I could possibly slip into that space. And yes, I'm being naked and transparent with you guys because I do. I suffer from depression. And guess what? I'm not ashamed of it. I used to be. In fact, I used to be an asshole about it. I used to be an asshole about it to my mother, to my ex-wife. And I even have to confess I've been a little, more than a little bit of an asshole with my own daughter who struggles with it. And then as the universe has a way of doing, it kicks you in the ass and says, all right, buddy, well, guess what? I'm going to wave my magic wand. You're going to be depressed too. And now that I've learned to deal with it and to walk through it, I oblige it. And one of my buddies who's been on my other podcast, Life Uncloseted, his name is Chris Brogan. He's an amazing marketing, social media, overall great guy who helps people do amazing things with their business. He's as big an advocate for being a man of depression and actually probably a bigger advocate than I am. And that's why I brought my buddy Chris to the podcast today because guys, if you're suffering from depression, look at it as a blessing. So Chris, thanks again, buddy, for showing up and being who you are for me in this world and being who you are in the world. And let's talk depression, man. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I promise it won't be a depressing talk about depression. Right, exactly. That. But um, you've been very open, um, especially I've noticed, especially in the last six months, even more so than you used to be. But um, you've become very open about this. And, and um, it shows that there's no shame, so to speak, around this. What was the pivot for you? So I've written about it on or off for mm, eight or so years, six right. or so years. I can't remember. Um, and at first, it was sort of self-preservation to write about it. I wanted to say, you know, man, when I'm talking to people, I would, I would just sort of say it casually. I'd be in a conversation with work or a client or something. I'd say, man, I'm just kind of rolling through a little bit of depression right now. Mm -hmm. um, so everything's a little slower, but, you know, I'll, I'll get it on time. Don't worry. I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm just dragging through a little bit of mud. Yep. And it would freak some clients out and it would mm -hmm. cause some challenges. And also colleagues wouldn't know what to say back. Yep. You know, weirdly enough, they would almost always tell me about one time in their life or another when they'd been depressed, mm -hmm. which is like, you know, telling a diabetic person, I eat chocolate sometimes. Like it, it's yeah. so unrelated. Um, feeling depressed is something that happens because of circumstances. Depression, the actual clinical thing is a bunch of chemicals rolling around inside your body. Mm -hmm. You know, you, you have about as much chance of unfeeling depressed strictly by your, your, your mind Yep. as you do uh, un-needing glasses, you know. So mm -hmm. I, I started writing for that reason, and then I'd get a lot of good feedback, and I would have so many crazy private hallway conversations with people telling me their little story that I almost felt like a rolling Catholic church, you know. I just felt like <laughs> it was like a little confessional booth around me at all times so we could, you know, grab my elbow and whisper yeah. about depression. And I thought, you know, there's more to this. Mm -hmm. And rolling forward even more so, I'm, I'm watching digital transformation happen in companies and I'm thinking, man, they're, they're doing so much with digital transformation. It's all good and we're not supposed to fear technology. 
But tech really opens some real big opportunities to really agitate depression, anxiety, and stress. You know, it's almost like if you figure out you're an alcoholic and you go through all the programs to get it all fixed, and then there's a bar now in every single corner of every single Mm -hmm. street. That's really what a lot of this digital technology is allowed for. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and and social media to me also really just it can agitate it really quickly. And it doesn't matter how old you are. Everybody says, oh, it's the younger generation that's really, you know, the reason they have anxiety and depression, which is true. I mean, I just saw a stat the other day, like 75% of um, kids between the age of 12 and 20 are depressed or anxious or suffering from anxiety. And that's a scary number. But I'm like, well, I wish we would just really go, hmm, how many adults are actually in that same space? I think it's a lot higher than most people want to admit to it. But social media, to me, is hitting all of us. I know I get on and I'm like, oh, look what Chris is doing. Or, oh, look, <laughs> you know, what somebody else is doing. And if I don't have the right mindset, it could trigger me. It could trigger me to go, mm-hmm. I'm not worth it. And I'll go curl up in the fetal position for, you know, well, maybe a day at times. But um, it's just an interesting space to play in. So what else do you see besides this digital stuff that's really kicking us in the ass around depression these days? Well, uh, you know, our, our access, I mean, this still is, I guess, digital, but our access to information and news allows us to really uh, scratch and feed our demons really well. Um, that's one. Two is that, you know, as we get access to sort of self-medicate with, you know, caffeine, with, uh, you know, <laughs> all, all the advent of improving our ability to cocoon, right? So right, the, the right. new bigger social trends everywhere in the world is that we're cocooning. You know, mm-hmm. we're not going to restaurants as much anymore. It's not just millennials. We're yep. not going out anywhere that much anymore. Staycations are a lot more common than vacations mm-hmm. now. And the culture is around that. And so... Uh, any chance we get to sort of look down at our belly buttons instead of reconnect with people causes a problem. And then if you add age to it, it's just harder and harder and harder to make friends as you get older and it's harder to connect with people. And as fellas, we don't talk, you know, it's just not in our nature to want to chit chat, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and there's, there's so few people out there kind of trying to turn that around the other way. There's a group called Andy's man's man club in the UK. Their hashtag is it's okay to talk. You know, wow. which kind of sums up everything you need to know about what dudes are dealing with in the world yeah, because, yeah. you know, the last thing you expect is two really tough guys sitting around at a bar together, sipping on their drinks and looking over and going, man, I deal with depression. How about you? Yep, you know, exactly. And, and that's where the shame shows up. It's like, okay, us guys, we're not supposed to do this. You know, we're not supposed to have these problems. We're supposed to be the guys that just walk through it all. And, you know, it's interesting that you brought up this whole how we're isolating and, um, my husband and I were at a, a health fair over the weekend, just kind of walking through, seeing what people had. And I'm, I'm embarking on some major changes to like get healthier and my, you know, lose some weight, all that good stuff. And so oh, let's go check it out. And we live in a very beautiful space where there's lots of fresh produce everywhere. We're in a, we're in a wine country, but we're also in a produce country. So every Saturday we go to the farmer's market. We go get mm-hmm. our fresh stuff. <clears throat> well, My husband's in advertising and one of his clients actually is a vegetable box by delivery company. And he goes, I think we should really sign up for this. And I'm like, oh, that's cool because that means every Monday we'll get this nice box of Mm -hmm. fresh produce, you know. And then I thought, but I won't get to go do the farmer's market. And that's kind of something I really enjoy doing. 
And then my mind said, well, then you'll still go to the farmer's market. You may just go walk around. You may go get the flowers you like. You may go buy the other stuff that you don't get in the box. But I could let that isolate me. I could take that out of my social construct really quickly. And that would just be one more thing that would keep me in my house, which you and I both know as guys who work from home a lot. Mm-hmm. It's very easy to isolate here if we don't have the mechanism to reach out and if we don't go do the things to reach out. So I'm curious for you, because you are an entrepreneur, big time entrepreneur, and you've done this so long from your home, what are some of the things you do to keep yourself from feeling that isolation that can easily, as you and I both know, lead us into depression pretty quickly? What are some <laughs> it's a great question. I'm laughing already because I was thinking, well, I don't. Um, I just stay in my isolation. But, uh, you know, I went, I went to an event this last week in San Diego and the joke I kept making and, you know, the beauty of any good joke is that there's so much truth in it all the time. So this is the first time I've had any reason to wear pants mm-hmm, in like exactly. the last 30 plus days. <laughs> I do get out sometimes, but you know, you can get anything delivery now uh, exactly. between Amazon and, you know, DoorDash and Uber Eats and all that. Mm-hmm. You can, you don't have to leave your house. Right. Uh, but you know, one, one thing I, I, I do try to do is that even if I can't get out physically, I mean, sometimes when you're dealing with depression, you that's can. the last thing you're going to do. You're not leaving the house. Mm-hmm. Um, I still reach out to people. I try to get on a phone. I try to get on, you know, Skype so I could, or, or Zoom or whatever, just so right. I can do some video and see people. Yep. Um, and I, I, I do as much as I can to connect with people. Because one thing I think depression does really well is it really uh, links your eyeballs down to your belly button and you look inwards yep. a lot. Yep. You know, and I think that avoiding belly button staring is the first thing that ever always gets me out of my depression when I'm dealing with it. Right now I'm good. But whenever I'm really in it, always the thing that gets me out is helping somebody out. Mm -hmm. So I go out looking for something I can do that. I see someone's got a little something going on and I I jump into that as best I can, because then that gives me enough motivation to then try a shower and then try heading out and go to the coffee shop and whatever. And I think that we got to remember small blocks. Absolutely. It's what's every guy do. Rick, every, every time a guy misses, you're like, you're getting back into your fitness and your health. Yep, so yep. You haven't been to the gym in a little while. What's yep. every guy do when they go to the gym? They put as much weight on as much things uh-huh. as they can. Yep. And they wreck their back and then they have a good reason to be out for another mm-hmm. week. Yep. So can't do it. You know, we can't mm-hmm. do it at the gym and we can't do it with our own health. No, and I think that's the thing that some people, and I know when I first started realizing, and, and you know, as I alluded to in the introduction, my mom suffers from depression. My ex-wife suffered from it. And I was kind of, you know, an asshole about it. I'm like, come on, just get past it. But then what I realized is some of the times when I started getting kicked in the ass, it's like, oh, hold on, mate. Uh Oh, I think I've got this. And it wasn't until I had my first huge bout, which really hit when I turned 50. Mm -hmm. Um, That year, I turned 50. My oldest went to college. My youngest was starting high school. All of that was within a 40-day period. <laughs> so it was like boom, 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 boom. And I've never been a guy who's like, oh, my God, I'm turning you know, this age. Oh, my God, I'm going over the edge. Never. Never affected me whatsoever. And I think it was that perfect trifecta that's like, okay, I'm going to come kick your ass now. Mm-hmm. And as I lay there, and even luckily it was on a cruise ship because my husband and I went on a cruise right after we dropped our daughter off at, the, at college. I remember being on that cruise ship going, I don't even want to leave the cabin. I do not want to get out of here. And I thought, "Uh uh-oh, this is real. This is really, truly real. There is no, like, it's not just change your mindset. This stuff is real. And I got home and I immediately, I had been on some medications to kind of like, hey, I think I'm having this issue, but it wasn't heavy duty 
um, depression meds. And I'm not even on anything heavy at this point. I just know that if I don't stay on my meds, <laughs> I can get kicked in the butt really quickly. And as I started to embrace it, literally, and I, I just wrote an article about obliging my depression, it became my truth as much as my truth of being a gay man. It's like, this is true for me. And so I'm going to embrace that this is true for me. And when it comes, I'm going to let it kind of do its thing. <laughs> I'm not going to be ashamed about it. And I know there's going to be a process that has to happen before I can step through it. And um, I think sometimes that's the thing we forget when we observe somebody outside looking in. We think, well, just get over it or just take your pill and get past it. It's not that easy. And uh, right. I think it's more challenging than most people understand. So as you've worked through it and you get into those spaces, I think there's an assumption, and I'm just going off of some things that have happened for me, that depressed people don't want to be in life. Hmm. And I think that's true to some piece, but I don't think most of us who suffer from depression are like, yep, I'm ready. Just, you know, I'm going to take myself out. What's your take on that whole, like, okay, I'm going to just kill myself, move on sort of thing. Cause I don't, I don't think everybody that suffers from depression has that feeling. I think it's just, we just can't cope. Sure, sure. Um, you know, I think if the question is sort of, is suicide really close by depression at all times? It's not at all times. I, I think suicidal ideation, you know, thinking about it, mm -hmm. you know, one thing is talking about my son, like we were talking about earlier, my younger one, he used to uh, say suicidal things at school and, we, and there was a rule in school. You had to like, you had to like really right. like sound the alarms every time that happens. He was a middle school kid. Mm -hmm. um, we had to go in and explain to the teachers in his presence and with everybody understanding that's his little mental vent. Yep. So suicide as a language is a mental vent. That doesn't mean that people aren't going to do it. And it doesn't mean you shouldn't treat it serious. And it doesn't mean if you hear it, especially you as a friend of someone, mm -hmm. you've got to take it pretty serious. You got to say, Hey, look, I heard what you said and I want to talk about that and I want to understand where you are and can we go somewhere with this? Like, what do we got to do? Um, but you know, everyone thinks it, I, you know, I make jokes about it every now and again. I'll say, you know, if I, well, actually I make jokes all the time. If I'm at an event or something, I'll say, you know, if I kill myself tonight and I don't leave a note, it was that presentation I just watched. That's, that's what's, that's what right, did. Right. you can tell the papers. Yeah. Um, but I, I think that the, you know, <sighs> depression has a few things that are, that are almost in universally true. Depression uses a very absolute language inside our own mm -hmm. heads, like always and never. Mm -hmm. You are always going to be X. You will never do Y, etc. Yep. And suicide is driven by a sense or fear of absolutes, yep. you know, like a real thought out suicide. There's some people that just do it in the moment and that's something totally different, but a real considered suicide is mm -hmm. I will always have this many bills. I yep. will always have uh, the shame of this thing that I had to deal with in my past or whatever it was your, you mm -hmm. know, you're a good reason for it. Yep. Sometimes I joke that I'd kill myself, but I already have too many bills and it yeah. costs a lot. <laughs> um, and we're, so, and we're not making fun of suicide guys. No, realistic no, I am. <laughs> I am. Rick's not cause it's his show. Yeah, exactly. Um, but no, I, my point is that, you know, it's, it's a lot, but I think to, I think to talk about it a bit is healthy. And I think, I, I think agree. to, to work with fellows who are dealing with that is to help them vent it a bit. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I talk to a lot of veterans and, uh, you know, military types, that's part of the, the, the they don't get any coping skills mm -hmm. uh, when they're let out. They're like, well, thanks for all you just thanks did. Thanks for everything you did. Bye. Catch you later. Yeah. And, uh, you know, they talk about it a lot, you know, because they feel like they, they don't want to be the only one left or something. 
And I think it's really important to address that. And there's just such incredible stats and numbers on it. And suicide in teens went way up with the advent of social media. The numbers are absolutely pegged to each other. And and I think that that tells us something too. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I don't... I don't put it in the exact same cart as depression just because I think that when we deal with this sort of thing, um, there's always levels and we're not in the depression Olympics. Like I'm not trying to get the bronze, you know, I just want to get through it and get on. Right. Exactly. You know, the only other thing I want to say about that all is just that you and obliging your depression. I try really hard not to give my depression an actual seat at the table as much as like I'll let it pick off the table as on its way through. Mm-hmm. And, and when I say that, I always tell people I deal with depression, but that's all I say. I never label myself a depressed person or a depressive or anything. I just saw that there's this company that's selling uh, versions of your various medicines that you might take for depression in a, pit, right. in a necklace <clears throat> so that you can kind of, I don't know, their idea is like clearing the stigma. But mm. to me, that's just promoting a pharma company. Exactly. I agree hundred percent. The medicine I take isn't even in a pill. Uh, it's a really crazy ass drug and I only get it once a year. So mm-hmm. I think that, I think it's important that we don't fetishize yep. um, it, this just like we don't fetishize any of our issues. And so I think there's, you know, there's a lot of fellows out there who don't want to say right out, right. You know, I deal with depression, but I think if it's just sort of tacked in there, like I'm a working class kind of guy. Mm-hmm. I really, really think it's just like one of those things you say like, boy, my back is sore. Man, yes. I dealt with some depression. Mm. Mm-hmm. And then you just keep going. It's right. okay. And, you know, back to my article about obliging, that's really what it is. It's like I oblige that it's there and I keep on moving. I know right. it's there. I know it's going to show up. I used to let it really kick my ass. And sometimes I'm like, okay, it's kicking my ass. So fine. This is where I am today. Yep. But I do not believe that the that we fight it so hard because the more you fight it you're going to struggle harder at least that's been my experience the more i try okay come on you just nah, it doesn't really work you got to kind of let it take its toll as you said kind of let it kind of take whatever it needs to off the buffet tables that passes by and then you just kind of walk through it we're always just walking through it just like there's going to be moments that i walk through happiness there's going to be moments that i walk through sadness about something that happened and I, I invite men who are listening to this because we are guys who have all been socialized. I don't care if you're gay, straight, bi, trans, successful, not successful, what blue collar, white collar. We have all been socialized. Oh, we don't talk about things. Mm-hmm. And quite honestly, guys, the more we don't talk about things, the bigger the problem becomes. And this is an invitation for you to go talk about if you struggle with this, Please, please trust Chris and I. Go talk to somebody about it. Go get the help you need. And trust, it makes, does not make you less of a man. If anything, I feel like it actually makes me more of a guy, whatever that really means, because I don't think there is more of a man, less of a man, more of a woman. Less. It makes me more of a human. And I think that would be the thing that I would most like guys to hear as we walk away from this today. But as, you wrap, as we wrap things up, Chris, what would you like to leave the guys with as like, here's the best advice I can give you as we wrap it up today about depression? Well, um, like I said, you know, be willing to pick up that label and be willing to talk about it in, you know, whatever capacity you want to realize that the other real big challenge with depression is that no one around you understands what you're trying to say to them. Mm-hmm. And so I, I find it's really weird myself and a lot of people I know, we seem to think we want a mind reader. Yep. Uh, 
But we also lost our ability to read minds. It turns out our magical yeah. power got revoked somewhere. I don't know how. We can't read minds just like no one around us can read minds. Yeah. So when you're dealing with your depression, don't think your significant other or your pals at work or anybody's going to go, oh, I just noticed that you're dealing with depression. Let's get into that. Mm-hmm. It's not their story. It's your story. <clears throat> it's not that they don't care. And it's also maybe that they don't want to help. They definitely want to help. They just don't. They don't know you what. to articulate it, man. Right. You got to say. And, you know, in uh, shoot, move, and communicate, the military always says, right? So communicate, call it out, you know. Man, I'm feeling a little down. I could really use just a little extra time. Anyone want to go shoot some hoops or whatever men do? I don't know what men do. Yeah, right. <laughs> you want to go exactly. play video games? Right. Uh, but I think that I think it's a, a matter of uh, just really calling it out and just mm-hmm. saying what you need and being really crisp and simple about what you need, you know. Mm-hmm. Man, I'd like to get out to a movie or like it'd be a good day to go out and uh, just, you know, kick a kick a ball around. I don't know what guys All right. do. And I love that you brought up the whole point of go help somebody else. It's yeah. something that can really help. And, you know, Chris and I have known each other now off and on, I guess, probably clear back to the beginning of social media stuff when you were really one of the guys that I looked up to. Not that I don't still look up to you, but I mean, it was 2005, 2006. And wow, yeah. it was one of those things where I started to realize the more I could just like hop in and touch base, things would happen. And it's not like Chris and I talk all the time, but man, there are moments that it's almost like there is this interesting divine intervention that happens that we'll hop on Facebook and message back and forth. And sometimes I can get the sense that, Hey, we were brought together at that moment because either I or you or both of us kind of like, Hey bro, we're kind of in this space, but we don't even have to say that. We kind of just feel it intuitively that we need this little bit of moment. And guys, the more you can reach out and find those bros or women, it doesn't have to be just a guy, but sometimes I think it is good to have that bro that really kind of gets this. The sooner you'll be able to <clears throat> fly through it and be exactly who you're meant to be. So um, love you, bro. Thank you so much for coming and sharing your journey around depression and being the guy you are. And um, let's enjoy these conversations, man. Me too, my pleasure. Thank you so much. That's a wrap for 40 plus. Real men, real talk. Where size doesn't matter. We drop our bullshit, get over our screwed up fears, make bold moves, and live life without apologies. Don't forget to join us on Facebook at 40 Plus Real Men Real Talk, where the conversations continue.